Welcome to the Dr. Sex Fairy Podcast. I am Dr. Kaval Bhava and I am here to transform your life. Not only am I here to share my unique brand of sexual and intimate wellness with you, I am also here to widen your horizons. I am recording this episode in Hamburg, Germany, and my guest is Eve Champagne, the queen of burlesque. She is also called the rock star of burlesque. She is a Keats legend. Eve was the very first solo burlesque performer in Germany. She is a TV personality and has been interviewed innumerable times. She has appeared on Ninja Warrior, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, Germany's Got Talent, and lots more. I attended Eve's famous burlesque show last night. It was a feast for the senses and true artistry. Eve and her team transformed the theater into a different world. Burlesque is very misunderstood. It is not stripping. It is certainly not prostitution. I want to delve into this world and that of Hamburg, the sex capital of Germany. I have many questions and Eve has the answers. Moin Eve, welcome to the Dr. Sex Fairy podcast. Moin, doctor. Welcome to my neighborhood, St. Pauli, which is the red light district of Hamburg, which is the biggest one in Europe. Nice to have you here. Nice to have this opportunity to talk about my shows, Burlesque, in this district. No, I am honored that you even came on the podcast because you are such a legend in so many different ways. So let's start with the most basic question. What is burlesque? Burlesque is an art form which is ruled regularly by female persons. So it's a really empowerment art show. It's about stripping but not being naked. It's the tease which we which we yeah show up on stage really humorous in many different ways, sexiness or jokerly or modern. Nice. So tell me about the difference between classic burlesque and neo-burlesque. Classic burlesque is made by cost, beautiful costumes, wonderful music from past times, like big band music. And neo-burlesque is the new art form of burlesque that means costumes from nowadays or crazy costumes like I do a Darth Vader show played with modern music. So this is neo-burlesque. It's a really huge range of different shapes of getting undressed. And your show that I attended last night is neo-burlesque. It has everything. It has everything. The show is called Pulverlesque and takes part at the Pulverfoss Cabaret, which is the oldest trendy queer cabaret of Germany. It was certainly an experience. No question about that. Your costumes are beautiful. They are ornate. Feathers, sequins, tassels, they have it all. Tell me about your costumes and if they have changed over time. Sure that the costumes change over time. I mean, I'm up on stage oh, almost 20 years. So I think every performer, burlesque performer starts with like costume they bought in shops and just suits together or make it, take a feather boa to it or add like feather fans. But with the time you go, 
to make your costumes, handmade by tailors or people who are into this arts and crafts. And that makes the costumes really unique and really glamorous. When you start, it's like a costume is like 100 euros, if you say that. Right now, my costumes are 3,000 euros because of the rhinestones, feathers and tailor-made stuff, like corsets, which are not made by people to regular retailers. So these are special tailor-made or craftsmen who do that. And they look expensive. Oh, they are. And yeah. I love to wear beautiful things on my body. <laughs> well, you're a beautiful lady and you're tall. <laughs> you are so tall. You I make me tall. feel really short. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you are quite the package. You make quite an impact on stage. I mean, you have a presence. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> no, absolutely. Now, let's talk about the difference between stripping and burlesque because they're often misunderstood. Yes, there's a huge difference. I used to say striptease. Is, it's the art of being naked and beautiful dance moves. And burlesque is the art of getting undressed and being covered but it's more the tease than the strip in burlesque. Nice. See all the things you're teaching me. <laughs> maybe maybe you can give me a private lesson oh, later. Yes. See, see, see? <laughs> the doctor's going to have some skills now. So um, I also noticed there was a lot of comedy in your show, and it is a huge part of burlesque as well. Yeah, it is a huge part because um, as you already questions, it's like um, some people are uh, saying that striptease, striptease is a huge part of burlesque, but it's not always being like in the show to get people attractive or sexual like stimulated it's more the fact that we're doing a show and there's comedy and like jokely parts in it are really important even to the fact that we, most of the audience is like 70 percentage is female and when a beautiful woman or a cool body shaped woman is doing like getting undressed most people, girls are feeling affected but when there's a comedy aspect they're like oh my god this girl is cool and that makes burlesque so unique and perfect and beautiful for women as well and watch. that's why there are so many couples at your show versus just a strip show yeah exactly there are a lot of couples in there and mostly the girls taking the boys to burlesque shows and it's so fine because the boys are like oh no this is strip and the girls know yeah the differences and so the the guys are happy as well when they're coming out of the show and just saying, hey, thanks, that was the most beautiful strip I ever saw. Yeah, and the thing is that it's entertainment. It's absolutely entertainment. We love to entertain you people. Are, you are quite the entertainer, quite the consummate <laughs> entertainer. Now, unlike stripping, which tends to show perfect bodies, I noticed all sizes at your show last night. I also saw drag queens and gay men. I saw just a rainbow. Just at your, you know, yeah. at your show, and society can learn a lesson or two about positive body image and inclusivity from burlesque and from your show, especially. Yeah, thanks. I hope that this, yeah, message goes through all the audience each and every single time when we are performing on stage, because yeah, you have a, the whole range of sexual identities and sexualities in my shows and body is as well but i think sexuality and being really health with your own sexuality or sexual identity makes 
a good performer because this is a huge passion or a huge yeah thing which you can bring up on stage when you're self-confident with your sexual identity and sexuality and so you can celebrate your body and give that to the audience to bring that to them doesn't matter if you're a trans person or not and it doesn't matter if you're a size zero, like in the US, no. everybody's obsessed about being a size zero, or if you're 40 plus. Oh, come sexy on. Is sexy. sexy is sexy. And if you think you're a sexy, bring it up on stage. Hell yeah, sister. <laughs> um, now, on your, on your stage, it was also fire swallowing. And burlesque must get very dangerous for the performers. Some of them doing like dangerous stuff like glass eating if they're like sideshow act. They need to be physically really fit. Yeah? They can't make it like each and every single night. But that makes us the creative people that we can bring up a good show without you know, swallowing swords or fire or eating glass. Mm -hmm. Because there's a whole lot more we can show up on stage. This can be dangerous too. But on the other side, we are used to it. We're, we're training it we got our bodies in this yeah, physical strange to do such things now what kind of training does it take to be a burlesque dancer you don't just walk on to the stage from the street and say you know i want to wear sexy clothes uh, honestly, yes, that was me. <laughs> that was me, and so I became the first blessed performer. Yeah, no, exactly. I never. But there's skill like, involved. Yeah, I think there's just a talent and the deep, deeper passion that you like to show the people how entertaining you are, and especially you need um, to be like a little bit exhibitionistic to do something like that. But I used to say there's nothing which makes the audience easier to cheer on you than is showing boobs. Doesn't matter how small or how big they are. Boobs win. Boobs win, always. <laughs> always, always. You even had an Indian interpretation of burlesque as part of your show last night. As an Indian, I was very surprised to see something so unique. Oh, it, I think it's uh, every kind of performer who's on my show or is a burlesque performer, drag performer, is unique by itself. But I like to show people in Germany like things they didn't expect it and the huge range of cultural yeah, influences. Cultural appropriation is in Germany, a thing which is absolutely not known and just showed up two years ago or something. And the history of Germany is really rough and hard and we have like a black history in former times. And the people in Germany are still wearing like, you know, like Indian indigenous feather head pieces or afro hair and everything because you're trying to get them throughout my show to this theme of cultural appropriation which is which is the thing that where some people who are like indian performers are felt at, attacked when somebody is wearing a zari and you're like it's this white person and it's not so cool. And we as a performers should leave the people, their culture, to display it on, on the stage because they are the ones who can give the vibe the best way out to the audience. And you had glorious Indian outfits on your stage yesterday. Yeah. I was very surprised. Yeah, thanks. Pleasantly so. Yeah, it was Misty Lotus. Misty Lotus is from India, lives in, in Switzerland. And I'm really proud to have her on my show and to be one of the cultural part of my show. Here's a fun fact. Since you mentioned her name, my name cover literally means lotus. Yeah, sisters, sisters. Sisters. And we just high five listeners. Yeah. So I actually like Eve. Eve's awesome. Do you feel that significant others of performers get jealous? Do you think burlesque sees more broken relationships? It's 
one half and the other half. I mean, for example, the two of us, it's last like it's existing like almost 15 years. In the last 14, five years, there has been jealousy, there have been fights in between the drag queens. And right now, with our show, there was the most exclusive moment what happened to the stage because we, we started to be really supportive and everybody helped each other because right now the generation of new performers, which I feel and see, is that they're growing up with this thinking. They're not fighting for jobs, they're they are supportive and they teach each others some things or like getting into new stuff and yeah and realizing that everybody and every performer is a unique person and got unique talents and unique entertainment factors so the one who is like really uh, glamorous can't be compared with the one who's really jokerly or neo-blessed so there can't be a fight it's not about beauty so that's why it's not more the jealousy and the fights in there it's about being a unique art piece for yourself and supportive by, by new ideas and giving some vibe to others to create more and more better acts or personality as you are yourself, being yourself. And what about boyfriends and girlfriends? Do they get angry and jealous? Um, yes, I can say yes. When in relationship it start, when relationships in our scene are starting, they are like they get confronted by us as an artist that we are up on stage and getting undressed. So and most of the people are like feeling not comfortable with that. Even they are, they never forbid 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 it. Yeah, but after they saw us on stage like one or two times, they are getting really supportive because they realize what's the difference between striptease, the, the sex industry in common and what Boles is all about. So eventually they become supportive they, once they yes. realize that you have fans yeah. and that this is a true art form, not necessarily something sexual. Exactly. Exactly. But some are that stupid that they try to forbid some yours as an artist is like, let him go, let them go. Let him go. Yeah, let him go. That's it. We don't need toxic people around us. No, we don't. <laughs> now, we started talking about burlesque in Germany and how Germany is such a melting pot. Now, how would you say German burlesque is different from burlesque around the world? Oh, there are really different burlesque styles in the world. And there's, there's American style burlesque, which is kind of cheesy, highly entertainment, <laughs> uh, highly entertaining. Entertaining, yeah, like America is bigger, huger, more entertaining, more. But it, that's really awesome to see those American performers. Then you got, yeah, in Germany, there we are like more, um, uh, we got more understatement. We had a lot in the history of ourselves and the history of Boles. And because we are in the middle of Europe, we have all the influences from the Italian burlesque performance, the Spanish ones, the Scandinavian ones, each and every burlesque country has its own style. But in Germany, they're all mixed up because we're coming from all over the world, even, especially throughout from Europe. There a lot of people, yeah, are artists, they are traveling to Germany to become famous. And that's how we get influenced by each and every single style. And this makes so much fun and so diverse our shows. So we can't even compromise ourselves with the others. There's just no comparison. Yeah. No, it is a melting pot indeed. And yeah. I'm an Indian who lives in America. And I find Germany absolutely exhilarating. Yeah, and cool. that's why, 
you know, Hamburg is such a such a great city for me because it's open, it's inclusive, um, it is not afraid of sexuality. Mm. And I have been here four times in my short time in Germany already. Yeah. I can't get enough of it. Yeah. I've got to come back. <laughs> Welcome, yes. Now, you are a very famous performer, but do you feel that you get the respect you deserve as a performer and as an artist? Yes, I got the respect and deserve it being an artist because I'm like, I'm the rock star of Polis. And I started my career being like, um, Yeah, not mean, not rude, but like, like I behaved like a rust. I was drinking, I was barking on stage, I was entertaining the people. I took like beer showers in front of the audience, and I was always in all my hosting sexual open, so I could mix my, yeah. Uh, my statements with my art form. And so I got the respect of male and female person at the same time, even with the trans scene or the gay queer scene, LGBTQ scene, they look at me high up and say, yeah, you got a voice and you use your voice correctly for us as being supported for each and every single person. So that makes my art form respectable and me as a person respectable to people. So I get really appreciated by my art and my personality, yes, I feel really I agree because I did a lot of reading to prepare for my interview with you today. And I found many, many references to how you have been a trailblazer. You have paved the way for an open discussion about sexuality to make sexuality more mainstream and to take the you know, the, the titillation, the, the dirt out of it. Yeah, well, you know? I'm dirty enough as well to take the dirt out of, of sexuality. But you know, the thing <laughs> is that how can you have healthy sexuality if you can't be open about it? That won't work. That's a pity. That's really the controversial thing. And people are, yeah, that's where people get like, yeah not feeling self-confident with their body and sexuality. And it's Hamburg, especially St. Pauli's district where whoever you are or whatever you are, feel free and feel fine with the body and your sexuality because it's fine and we love you. And we love, and the most important thing is love yourself, love your sexuality, love, love your sexual identity by yourself, share it as a couple or with the whole group. <laughs> Amen, I say. Now, how did you get into burlesque? Who is Eve Champagne? Oh, wow, how I get to burlesque. I love to tell the story. It was like, well, as a child, it was pretty ugly. So mobbing was one I don't believe yeah, that. Yeah, no, it was. It that was, face could never have been I ugly. Was, I was looking like a giraffe, yeah? So it was or called high tower because I've been <laughs> so tall and I was thin like hell, had short hair. And, you do realize yeah. you're describing the body of a model, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, as you're that, whining about exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. Okay. That was like, yeah, but I was quite young and when you're young you're insecure and I used to be asked if I'm a male or if I'm a girl or a boy today something different they asked me if I'm a drag or a blessed performer but this is part of my show and my identity right now but as a child yeah I grew up like being yeah affected by body bashing and all this stuff in school And I was watching all the old-fashioned movies, Rita Hayworth and all these beautiful women mm -hmm. where they came up in the red dress, mm -hmm. the stairs downstairs, and there was a big band playing. I was like, oh my God, this is so beautiful. I wish to be once in this 
point in my life to be so beautiful, walking down the entertaining stairs. To and look at music. you today. Yes, and that's you own that stage. I, yes, I you made do. my dreams come true. You each did. and every single one. Yes. Yeah, it was like yeah, I was studying as a child and collecting pinup um, photographs and all this stuff. And there, we, there before I came to the burlesque theme and topic, and my adolescence came really late so that's why i got some nice boobs and ass with my age of almost 14 yeah because it came late I can't but, I deserve them. Yeah. but you know yeah. this is great also because you were body shamed yeah. and i'm always a proponent of body positivity yeah. as somebody who's you know size zero to a baseline with cancer you know my body took a beating and now i'm a little bit heavier than i used to be and sometimes it gets depressing and I have to tell myself that it's okay. It I'm, I'm allowed to heal. I'm allowed to get back to, you know, being myself in whatever time's okay for me. And then with the body shaming you suffered, you are now going to the exact opposite on stage and bringing a whole new era of body positivity, whether it's a man dressed as a woman, whether it's a heavy woman, you know, on stage, whether it's a thin woman on stage, you had every shape and every age yeah. on your stage. Yeah, because it's like everybody is beautiful in its own way and we are all healthy with the sexuality, with our bodies and we are able to do high physical work on stage, being entertaining, being beautiful. And that is like a thank for our bodies as a performers to show how thankful we are for us. That is great, but I refuse to believe that you were ever ugly. <laughs> we're not going there. We are currently sitting in the Keats of Hamburg, Germany. Can you please tell our listeners how this really historic area came to be? Oh, yeah. Welcome to the historical part of this podcast. It would take a little bit of ages to describe it, but it started in the 17th century when all the ships came up here, the Elbe River, and the first sailormans have been under pressure like the, like the ships have been before. So they got down from the ships, and the first thing after month on sea, what would you do? It's drinking and having sex. And so the prostitution, the red light district started to be like, yeah, growing up at this point in Hamburg, because it's next to the river, they are like Brussels in here, started the first one, the first bars came up here, then the businessmen came, and there were keats. It's a Slavic slang word for a district where craftsmen are settled. So you have in Berlin, as an example, you got different Keats. So Keats. How interesting. Yeah? And we just have this one, and it's literally the only one in Germany which is known when if you say Keats, everybody is thinking about the Ripperbahn, St. Pauli, our district. And yeah, it's a craftsman um, district. And when you walk, I'm working as a Keats guide for the Keats Jungs. And when you're walking in the street in here, you have street names by two craftsmen like like a tailor street you got like a rope maker street but the german words for that and yeah this is how some party became so big and then afterwards in the 90s in the 70s they we had like in the 1970s the huge era of the sex theaters in here when you have had like live sex shows on stage but they are, have been like 
made like a musical with original costume, like Phantom of the Opera, but over-sexualized. It was to make fun and each and every single decade had its own, yeah, fantasy or like fascinating on people coming here to this district since now. How interesting. I think I've said that a few times. <laughs> no, it is very interesting. And that's why I'm here, because who else to have this conversation with than the queen of the Raperbahn herself, <laughs> the queen of burlesque, the, the rock star of burlesque. Now, apart from you, who are some of the well-known personalities of the Raperbahn? Who else? Oh, they are most, like in the 70s and 80s, they had like uh, wars in between the pimps, so they became really big in the newspapers. So they're still living some of them, yeah, and it was like, yeah, the over-romanticizing of the red light district, which not uh, any longer exists, but those people are still alive and they're still in the newspapers, like being handled like, yeah, celebrities, it's like Kalle Schwenzen, do we have, we have also my former boss, Olivia Jones, Olivia Jones is running four clubs in here, she's the RuPaul version of Germany, she's the most famous celebrity in Germany, she's an A-level celebrity and takes part in every single TV shows as a judge or any Thing. Yeah, and being part, a huge part of the, yeah, of St. Pauli, and she's doing a lot of work for the trans and, yeah, queer scene all over Germany and makes like burlesque and travesty or drag queens, yeah, like regular in the. Women's no, I actually know about Olivia Jones. Yeah. I have been to one of her bars. Yeah. And I had her Prosecco. It was good, too. Yeah, the Olivia Jones Prosecco. Yeah. She's producing her own. Yeah, I was like working for 10 years for her. And was the first cis woman being part of the Olivia Jones family in between the drag queens. I used to be always the first cis woman somewhere where I never attended any other person um, or female person. And it makes me maybe unique because I sometimes behave like a man when you see, like when you think about in boxes, yeah? Mm -hmm. Because I'm like a hook dog, a rock star. And that thing is my key to success and my key to every sexual identity and personality because I, I have this huge rage and um, I think like guys want to fuck with me and the girls want to be befriended with me even mm -hmm. they, uh, they change these positions. No, I'm, I, I'm happy you talked about that because, you know, that whole thing about a strong woman being considered male energy yeah. is something I have faced myself because I'm a no-nonsense woman, I'm a successful woman, and I'm a self-made woman just like you. Yeah. And I feel that very often it's intimidating to people, especially to men. Do you find that? I find that men should stop thinking that this is just a male thing. Stop thinking in boxes. Strange has nothing to do with gender. Mm -hmm. I see like they, in the dressing room, I feel like the most male person in behaving between all the trans women in there or my less girls and I'm feeling like the man in between them. Mm -hmm. But it's the energy and it's not special like um, behaviors or strange or something like that it's not when it's when it's strong it's not being should not be named as a male thing that's something that i i feel strongly about because yeah. why is a strong person considered male energy why can't it just be strong energy strength yeah. as a whole yeah. why does it have to be given a gender why is it that 
you know, men are strong, that a strong woman is a male energy. I think it's because of our human history. It begins like with the mythology in the past that the men, yeah, men tried to like conquer women and all this stuff. But in former times, when we go back to our real roots, the women always have been like the, yeah, magical figure because we give birth to other souls like this for imagine but i think that's yeah. pretty damn strong yeah if you exactly me. yeah and i mean it started i think with the industrial thing and yeah the man feeling like uncomfortable with our strength with our like talents and spirits we um used to have and well, here we are. Here we, we are defying the norm and we are paving our own way. Yes. A path of our choosing. Yes. And that's what true success is, isn't it, Eve? True success. Now, if not burlesque, which career would you have gone into? Oh, oh I had so, several. I, was, I'm, I wanted to be like an uh, ocean biologist biologist mm -hmm. so i yeah i have right now my advanced open water diver so all the child dreams i had or all the dreams about my appreciation and i made it make them true by being an adult so thinking about like being a, a artist at the disney film studios i wanted to um, sketch like the comics or the cartoons but it came like the digital phase and i'm not into like computer stuff and so i missed this dream but right now i'm going regularly to disneyland in paris to make this dream keep on true so i think i, I would have end up in creative parts would you I consider have. traveling Taking your show around the world? Yes, sure. I've been traveling a lot since I joined Olivia Jones because then I was became the part of this district and a legend. But right now I'm doing my own show and it's a real success. And I'm thinking about touring the world with this show. Because I think Miami definitely needs a show like yours. Let's see Miami. I'm Welcome just saying. To Miami. <laughs> Welcome to Miami, baby. Yeah, let's think it, figure it out. Yeah. I'm serious. Yeah. Maybe we should do something together. Dr. Sex Fairy yeah. brings the legend herself to and Miami. We, we have some girls in Miami, boys girls, who would join the cast as well. So we do the same thing. It would see, be awesome. Maybe, maybe we just came up with something great. Yes. Who would have thunk it, right? This, this is going to be good. Now, what advice would you give people who are interested in entering the field of burlesque today? I would give the tip that you, as a person, doesn't matter what gender you are, should join a burlesque workshop. Feel the energy, get into it, feel your body, get into like feather boas, get, get into high heels, get into like dresses, feel pretty. If you're not having a burlesque class around you because you're like far away or you're too shy to that, get dressed up, go in front of the mirror and just dance and feel yourself, touch yourself, feel yourself and dance. And when you think it looks jokerly or everything, make it more. Get more into yourself, just freak out and get out of your box and comfort zone and, and you feel the energy and you feel the beauty you are inside. True acceptance is sexy. True acceptance is sexy, yes, doctor. that's right.
Now, how do our listeners get in touch with you? Because I am sure they're fascinated with your story, <laughs> and I'm sure many of them would want to come attend your show, just like I did last night. Yeah, if you're interested in my show, my show is called Pulverlesque at the Pulverfast Cabaret on the Ripaban San Paul. You find the Pulverfast Cabaret in the internet where you can buy tickets. And I really would recommend you to look at the Pulverfast Revue, which is in between. Between my shows, I'm just running the shows four times a year throughout the months. The rest of the months is the review, the queer cavalry review. And please go there. This is also inclusive, all body types, and really fun to judge. And if not, you're going to find me throughout social media, if Champagne, the rock star of Burlesque. The rock star of Burlesque. <laughs> No, I will actually um, make it easier for our listeners, yeah. and I will post a link. Yeah, please. And if you're interested in this red light district, not even my show, I'm a professional red light district guide in here for the key tunes, and you're going to find the link as well. And we have like English-speaking tours, and I really welcome you. And people, you don't understand how hard it is to find an English-speaking tour guide in Hamburg, Germany. I speak from painful personal experience. <laughs> so my friend Eve here is amazing, and she will make a great tour guide. Plus, she will leave you enthralled with a performance on stage. Do you have anything you'd like to tell our listeners? Yeah, I would like to tell you, you're all beautiful human beings out there. Feel sexuality, feel free with it, because sexuality is so natural, like you and yourself should be entreated. Now, how do I even end with that? I think I just ended right here. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Danke. Gerne, gerne. Until next time. I hope you enjoyed the Dr. Sex Fairy podcast today. I would love to continue this conversation with you. If you would like to get in touch with me, email me at askme at drsexfairy.com. Don't forget to follow this podcast and leave me a five-star review. And make sure you follow my blockbuster hit TikTok account, Dr. Sex Fairy.